Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of direct-to-video. Join us on our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken. Can't Be Broken is inspired by the true story of Sonora Webster, played by Gabriel Amor, a young woman who lost her parents and left her life in small-town Georgia to join a traveling roadshow. With aspirations of being a diving girl, she works hard to convince her boss that she is ready for the dangerous stunt as well as the fame. Screenplay by Matt Williams and Ole Sassone, directed by Steve Miner, and released on May 24th, 1991. Have you seen this movie before? Yes, I have. Oh, you have? <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, not one that was on my radar at um, all. I think maybe because I had the Disney Channel. Oh. This that, was on the Disney Channel. That makes sense. Yeah, this is, uh, this is a Disney-produced movie, currently on Disney Plus and everything. Not their biggest box office performer of the year. <laughs> well, for sure. yeah, for Disney, yeah. <laughs> yeah for Disney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With uh, Beauty and the Beast is in there as well. Uh, even live action, they have Rocketeer. Uh, yeah, I don't... Yeah. I, this is... It is, it, it, it is a kid's movie. Yeah. It's meant to be a kid's movie. Was it's rated it G. Re- released in the theaters? It was. Okay. Yeah. It made uh, $7.3 million. It, it seems like a TV movie to me. It does kind of have that vibe. Um, but a lot of kids' movies do have that vibe. Especially Disney movies. Live-action Disney movies, I should say, especially have that kind of vibe of being a TV movie. Yeah. So it's not far off in quality from what you would see from like a DCOM that came like later in that channel's history. Something like that. It's. I, th- I think it's not on my radar because again, it's like a period piece, and we've talked about how period pieces. I mean, this is more contemporary. This is 1930s, I think, is what they said in the early part of the movie, 1932, yeah. which I don't think is accurate to actual history. Uh, <laughs> but. Um, well, it was late 20s, early 30s. Yeah, but I think the movie starts in 1932, where the Great Depression was already in full effect when she. Approaches right. and starts the the process of becoming the diving girl, but in real life, I think she had started in the twenties. So, I mean, I have. That's what I'm going to talk about at the end is like her history. Yeah, so yeah, not not a hundred percent accurate as we can uh, get into a little bit later, but I mean, the subject matter is I don't know, just not something that draws me in. It's a weird thing to have a movie about horse diving which is something we haven't really said like we're saying diving girl but that that means you are jumping onto a running horse who's going up this giant ramp and diving off of a tower 40 to 60 feet in the air into a giant pool of water down below 
yeah. for public adulation. Yeah. It's a weird thing to base a movie on. Uh, I mean, it's like this niche thing that no one has heard about, and it's like a very small attraction. I mean, I have the whole history of this, because I was like, was this a thing, Diving Horses? Yeah, I I definitely have heard of it. I don't know when it stopped. I'm hoping it's... Uh, it may not have fully stopped in other parts of the world, but as far as, like, U.S. Uh, attractions go. Well, yeah, cause, because, I mean, even during the 30s, I guess I'll get into it. The, like, during the 30s and 40s, you know, when they are in Atlantic City, they had, like, animal rights people there trying to stop it. And then the diving horse theme, I guess, itself, or attraction itself, kind of stopped in the 70s. Mm. But then they wanted to pick it back up in the 90s, and I think maybe because of this movie. Oh, okay. Because there was like a revival in 1993, and I think it's probably because of this movie. Maybe. It didn't say, but but then, you know, the it's just like the ASPCA is always shutting it down. But then, I mean, when I was reading about Sonora's life, she said the horses were never mistreated in any way, and they actually loved it. But... It, I mean, who's to really say? But yeah. They also probably were not given tons of choice at a certain point. I, I know in the movie they say that if the sh- horse shows any sort of fear, then they're not allowed near the tower... Again, that's what they say in the movie. Mm-hmm. May not have been true in reality. Uh, you know, we know how circuses can treat certain animals, and so this is not far right. removed from that. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's still putting them in harm's way for a brief moment of entertainment, and it's probably not worth the trouble. Mm-hmm. So that aside, I mean, it it is a weird thing to... It's a weird story to build a movie around. I guess because it's just like this niche idea that no one has thought of. And um, it's when she becomes blind, it becomes even more of like this heroic story of her... And, and horses. I don't know. Yeah, I mean that. That's yeah. I mean, obviously, there's the appeal of seeing horses in general, right? That that's something yeah. that can appeal to a certain audience. Um, it, the, the her memoir. This is based off of her memoir, and the memoir is called "A Girl in Five Brave Horses." And we only get to really see two, two. slash three in this movie, yeah. if you count the one in the beginning. Yeah. Um, two of them are like, named Lightning. And then the other one is Red Lips. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think, yeah, part of it is just the the appeal of seeing horses and, you know, horse movies are always... Yeah, you got, like, Black Beauty. You have all those... Seabiscuit and, like, whatever. I mean, you know, they have... There are several horse movies that come out every single year. 
Well, there was one this past year that that one about the jockey. Maybe it was called Jockey. Oh yeah, that, Jockey. Yeah. Yeah. There's always. There's always a couple. A horse sort of like how there's always like one or two boxing movies but, a year. There's always like one or two. Yeah, horse I'm thinking movies of like year. Disney horse like. Oh yeah, deck, Disney yeah. horse movies. Disney like horse Black movies. Black Beauty or something. And like Spirit, if you're talking animated, that might have been DreamWorks, whatever. <laughs> there's always something. It, it so you have that. I, I think. You have the adversity of her going blind, which is, you know, something that happens late in the movie, but it happens so late in the movie that it, I don't know, it doesn't really factor in the way that you might think it would. You don't really see, I mean, you see some of her adversity, but it's kind of like a footnote to say, oh yeah, I made this jump and I'm, I, did, I kept doing it for 11 years after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, it's like, oh, I did this thing, and I did this for 11 years, and the end. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I'm completely blind, but I'm still doing my job. Okay. Yeah. Weird. And that's sort of how the movie handles a few different things. There is some stuff that just happens, and it it's not fully, it's not always fully unmotivated or fully uh, out of left field, but it sometimes feels that way. Like when her eventual husband, Al and Sonora like kiss for the first time it kind of comes out of nowhere I mean I know that Sonora like had a crush on him and yeah it sort of seemed like Al had a crush on her as well but they made it sound like Al was also dating Marie who was the other original diving girl who was part of this traveling I mean it could have been Marie just had a crush on him and he was like yeah and just blowing smoke yeah just like being nice to her but not you know wanting to date her yeah but the the scene where they actually kiss when they're in the the lake the lake yeah that seemed unmotivated in that specific moment yeah it was a little it's like hey let's go swimming and then blah 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 (laughs) yeah well it was a little kind of like cringy because i was like how old is she she's like 16 and how in real life he was 20 years older than her she 20 was ni- years older than her? Yeah, she okay. was 19. Okay. That's... I'm glad they adjusted that. Somewhat. <laughs> but yeah, the person who plays Al certainly seemed older. Right. Uh, and... Probably like early 20s, mid-20s-ish is what he looked to me. He but... looked 30 to me. <laughs> 30s to me, but... Uh, yeah, it, it's tough to gauge. I mean, he has those chiseled charming looks it's played by michael shoffling i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing that right yeah I think so. uh, you know him as jake from 16 candles yeah so like you know that was almost 10 years earlier playing a high school senior do the math yeah and i think he was even too old to be a high school senior in 16 candles I just know that he was older in yeah. 16 Candles, but whatever. Yeah. He, uh, either way, he definitely looked older in this. And yeah. Gabrielle Anwar, who played Sonora, I think was around 21 when she played this part. But mm-hmm. she was playing the part of someone who had to quit school. Um, I think they said she was about 16. Or they... I don't know. Somewhere around that. For some reason, that, that yeah, age... Yeah, I mean, she's in school... Yeah, until she basically gets kicked out and leaves home. Yeah. But we see a scene in school where she's sort of being 
verbally bullied by a couple of kids, and then she physically bullies back. Well, she hits them back. Yeah, hits one of the girls back. They're making fun of her haircut, which... Uh... I mean, in the very <laughs> beginning of the movie, she cuts her hair, and it's all, like, misshapen and hap- haphazard looking. And her aunt makes her wear this bag over her head. Yeah, well, I like mean... Like a shopping paper bag with, like, holes cut out for her eyes. Yeah, it, she has dreams of being in Atlantic City and, like, looking like a movie star, so she's, like, emulating, like, the flapper look. And so yeah, she, she wants to look short. like a flapper. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, everyone's and saying how is... ugly it looks, but it looks, like, professionally done. Like... Yeah, with the second <laughs> she takes that bag off her head, it looks like it was professionally cut and, like blow-dried perfectly or something. Yeah, like, like little highlight streaks and everything. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, okay. But they're making fun of her, probably because it's short, I think was really what yeah, they were trying to go after. Yeah, I think that's because in the 20s, I mean, around in the flapper era, it's like, you had long hair until, like, you know, in the flapper era, mm-hmm. when, you know, the women wanted to be a little bit more free, they would cut their hair short. Mm-hmm. And that was like a no-no at that time. Yeah, you're too much you had of a to free have, spirit. Yeah. yeah, you had to have your hair all the way down to like your ankles, <laughs> or you're ugly or something. I have no idea. I was like, her hair looked fine. Yeah, in short, short hair means ugly. Yeah. To this town, and so she was antagonized for it. So yeah, we see like a brief scene of her in the school, and then. Um, the aunt that she's living with kicks her out in essence she's going to send her to live with the state like um, foster care yeah like foster care while keeping her sister her younger sister yeah. Arnette. um and then so she decides to to leave home because she had seen this ad in the general store about uh, this person needing young girls to be divers yeah. diver right writers and divers and it'd be a traveling thing so it's really just her way to break into show business and get away and travel and you know be free and so that's what she does she goes to this carnival and <laughs> she sees al for the first time about to get beat up because he was cheating at cards um and she sees this happening, and she's like, oh boy, I like this guy. I don't mm-hmm. know, like, her first impression is this guy who's about to get beat up because he was, like, a cheater, a known cheater, because she helps him cheat. She steps on the ace that falls out of his hat. And she's like, boy, I like this guy. This is the type of guy for me. I don't know, it's a weird Like a weird troublemaker, because she's, be, she's uh, kind of to. like a troublemaker, too. I don't know. Yeah. She's, like, attracted to that, because they're similar i guess i don't know and then you also have cliff henderson though the hot dog vendor kid yeah uh, who's also flirting with her awkwardly who is more of an appropriate age yeah (laughs) seems like a better match overall um but not meant to be overall uh but cliff joins the the troop at some point i don't remember how he really comes on board it's a weird thing because they show them traveling in a sense, but it's really just four people. For this. I mean, it could be just like-minded, carny people that travel to the same towns to do their shows. 
Yeah, like they have separate caravans and they all meet up in a certain yeah. spot here and there. It, yeah, that that's probably what it is. But it's just it's still very strange that you you have these two horses, and the only other people around are Al, Marie, who is the the writer, and yeah, Al's father, who's the boss of this whole operation, Doc W. F. Carver. Mm-hmm. And it's really just. Yeah, those four, and now all of a sudden Sonora is there as the fifth to take care of these two horses and get all the equipment or yeah, like, like whatever. Yeah, like the stable hand to like clean up their poop and Yeah, but they didn't have them and... any other help at all. There's nobody. It, it just seemed weird. It just weird seemed like they're... maybe Al did all of that. Like all the horse it, training. Yeah. It just seemed like a lot of responsibility for this small amount of people. Mm-hmm. And I think that type of thing probably contributes it to being like a TV movie type of a feel. You know, it isn't filled with extras and helping hands and stuff like that. It's just you only see a couple people here and there. I don't know. It it, it was weird. Uh, But to get back to this whole point of things just happen... We talk about WF and how he <laughs> all of a sudden gets sick and dies like out of nowhere. Yeah, he just the, the that scene where he dies made me laugh, even though it shouldn't have. It, it shouldn't have. No, but he just like sits up against a tree and he looks sad, and then like kind of it fades to black, and all of a sudden you show him the funeral for him it's like i know this is a disney movie and you don't want to actively see someone die it's it just came out of left field because okay this is i don't know maybe about halfway in maybe a little bit more than halfway in al arranges a contract for them to have a show set up in atlantic city which is sonora's dream town to be in and so they're on the road Sonora's in the passenger seat of the car with WF driving and she's like oh you look kind of pale is everything alright it's like yeah everything's okay but let's just pull over you know maybe get some air for a bit and that's the first indication that he might be sick in any way is hey you're looking a little pale and then literally two minutes later in the movie he's dead yeah I don't know he just yeah he lays up against the tree and Sonora sees, like, this bag float away from the picnic that they have set up otherwise in the, the field that they stopped in. And I guess it, I guess the bag blew near well, WF, and that's like where... Like, before <laughs> all that, he and Al have a fight. Yeah, there's a lot of other stuff that happens, too. <laughs> yeah. And that's when... So, Sonora is... In the beginning, she... she talks to Doc about being a diving girl and he's like you're too young and puny basically but you can you know be a stable hand and then it kind of like works up to where Al wins this horse from a playing poker or whatever Mm -hmm. and it's like a very wild horse and Doc is like if you train it and blah 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 maybe you can start becoming a diving girl so they start training they call the the horse lightning because her horse growing up was called lightning Mm -hmm. 
And that's how it just, like, begins her obsession with wanting to be a diving girl. Yeah. And Al, Al, it's like her and Al working together, training this one horse. And they're talking about their dreams and... Doing it in secret. Yeah. WF is, does not Like, they wake up super early in the morning to do this. And Doc doesn't know it. And Marie Marie doesn't know it until Marie... She was gonna... She was gonna use lightning as the diving horse and so Nora's like don't kick it he doesn't like to be kicked in the heels yeah yeah don't don't make him like giddy up with the heels with the heels yeah she's like don't use the heels but you know Marie does she falls off the horse and she like dislocates her shoulder and that's when you know they kind of like Oh, were you going to find a diving girl within a week type of thing? Uh-huh. And that's when, you know, because she was, her and Al were secretly training for this. So that's when Doc was like, okay, if you can mount the horse while it's moving, then you can do it. So then it's her, like, training to mount this horse while it's moving for, it's a lot of montage, montages. Of a horse running around in a circle and someone falling off of a little pedestal. Yeah. Multiple times. Once while she has sight, and once also while she does not have sight. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, so Sonora comes in to save the day, and the show must go on, and now Marie is super jealous of the whole situation, and she quits. Al also has a falling out with the father, because the father is very protective of Sonora, and does not want the older Al to be dating this younger yeah, girl, would, and yes. putting her in danger. <laughs> Which um, I agree. <laughs> so WF is very much a father figure in the right ways. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but then, um, yeah, Al's like... And so they have a falling out and a, and a physical okay, altercation. I'm leaving. And, and you have like this weird little montage of Al sort of hitting hard luck on his own during the Great Depression. And they really hammer at home that things are rough all over for everyone. And he's starting to grow stubble, so you know things are bad. Um, and you see, like, the shows are also getting canceled at the same time. You see, like, you know, the posters, and, yeah, canceled, scrawled across it and all this kind of stuff. And yeah, because no one Trying can, to find work Yeah, and no one can afford to see it, and, you know, if and no so, one can see it, then, like, they can't have a show. But, yeah, eventually Al comes back and he lands a contract with Atlantic City for, you know, a residency. Meanwhile, while Al is gone... That's where Hot Dog Guy comes back in, Cliff Henderson. So right, because well, because someone mean, else needs to be there because there's only mm-hmm. the four or five people, and now you know two well, yeah, of them are gone. Al, so Al was the one that did all the um, bringing the horse out and like having it ready to go up that ramp and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they need, and Doc is the one that's doing. He's the showman who's doing all the announcements and whatever, so he can't do that. Yeah, and Doc is in, like, this full, I don't know, like, Billy the Kid-type garb. Like a wild, or, like, very, very... Like a Wild West. Wild West cowboy sheriff-looking thing with a big-ass mustache and super huge weird hair and everything, too, and, you know the frilly jacket so he's he's there to you know be a showman like he has yeah, that appearance that's his of that. that's what he's been doing 
most of his which life. Which Al also does not like. He wants it to be more modernized and whatnot. But, um, but now that Al is taking over because he has to, yeah, then... then yeah, his father dies, so now Al has to take over as... Yeah, the uh, showman announcer, and then like that Cliff little takes over as the the handler. The whole part where um, Al is practicing in front of like not a mirror but a window, I guess. Yeah, a reflection of a window. <laughs> the yeah. reflection, and he's like doing that whole ladies and gentlemen stuff. That was like very cringy. I don't know. He was bad at it. And the thing <laughs> yeah. is, like, the hot dog kid, Cliff, was so much better while he was making fun of Al. Yeah. And then I was like, <laughs> like is, Just is... have him do it. Yeah. <laughs> just bring but Cliff. No, have that's, him be that's, the MC. That's the family business. He's got to do it. And then I was like, is Michael Schauffling just, like, a bad actor? <laughs> no. Like, he's he's purposely... <laughs> He's purposely, purposely being, being bad. bad. Yes, the whole point is that he's nervous and bad at this whole like, thing. He and he has to come bad... into his own. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I will say this. This is his last role. I know. <laughs> but not because he was, you know, not because wanted by movie. Hollywood. I don't know. Like, he'd been in a couple other things like Vision Quest and Mermaids. And then he quit acting after this. Yeah, to because, be like a carpenter. I remember. Yeah, a carpenter. And he sells, like, handcrafted furniture. Which he probably still does today. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he's fully retired at this point. Who knows? But um, yeah, so he stopped acting after this. He was like, "Forget this movie." <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, the the only thing that I would really say that would make me say forget this movie is the way that they present the horse diving itself. I really, really liked the shot of the horse coming up the ramp. It's like a slow motion thing. It's yeah. you know, full on front view of the horse running up the ramp. It looks really cool. It's a really nice perspective. But when the horse dives off. The well, because I was like, they can't do this no. now, present day. They so. cannot. <laughs> so basically, what it looks like to me is a paper cutout superimposed over, like, you know, a, yeah, a that's background exactly long shot. What it looks like. <laughs> so it looks. Really, really bad face. They shouldn't even have shown. No, they shouldn't the have done falling. the long shot, but they kind of had to. I know they kind of have to, but I know this is the early '90s, but they needed some sort of like effect. They needed something that looked better than that. Um, and then the horse. I mean. And then the horse yeah, jumps one... into a pool of water from yeah, know, like I'm... five feet up or it something. It probably like did like a five effect. foot jump yeah. like in real life yeah yeah something very simple <laughs> but yeah the actual falling i don't want to say falling it's, like yeah, the long diving shot of the, dive was bad. <laughs> the actual dive of the horse with the woman cuz i mean they don't they show it from very very far away so it does look like a little like hand puppet thing mm-hmm. <laughs> falling down into this pool of water and it's so sad because it's, you know, bookended. It's like cheesy. By, or, not really bookended, but it's preceded by that really nice shot of the horse running up the ramp and everything. It becomes a joke. But then it's like they show the cool shot of the horse going up and then that shitty shot of him diving. And then like a cool shot of like, it's like a slow motion thing of like her coming up for air with the mm-hmm. horse. Yeah, you like, get a little bit of underwater too at one point. I think just once, but yeah. Yeah. And, you know, she has to know, well, Sonora has to know just, like, 
a couple of rules. Like, she has to turn her head to the side and close her eyes when she's about to hit water. Yeah, because they say the, the divers are more likely to get hurt than the than horses. Than the horses. Which, you know, I can understand that as well. It, that does seem very dangerous for the people. And that's how she went blind, is, you know, uh, there's apparently a noise scare, the way they presented it in the movie, is that there's a band playing mm-hmm. while the horse is jumping, and so, like, the cymbals crash, and it scares the horse, and he doesn't jump properly. Uh, and so she lands in the water with her eyes open, which is weird, but, I mean, I guess that's probably what happened in real life. Caused the hemorrhages, which were untreated, and then detached her retinas, Det- which yeah. caused her blindness. Yeah. So, yes, it definitely did. And they do have a POV shot of her experiencing a little bit of blurry vision at one point as well. Yeah, like, she comes up and she starts to feel a little, like, woozy. Yeah, it... And she's kind of, like... They show... It seems like a... Yeah, it might be, um... Like a concussion type of a thing. Yeah. what it seemed like at the first. And she's just, like... All she cares about is the horse. She's like, is the horse okay? Is the mm-hmm. horse okay? She's like, don't worry about me. And then, like, a couple days later, she, like... Well, this is the weird part. It's like, how do you not know you're blind? Because she doesn't realize she's blind until she walks to a mirror and she can't see herself. Well, I think it happened sort of gradually, because the doctor that they okay. have explained this says... <laughs> the way they showed it, it was just like she looked in a mirror and she's like, I can't see myself all of a sudden. Well, the doctor said, yeah, she had hemorrhages in her eyes and uh, they went untreated and so they got worse and detached her retinas. Mm. So that's basically what happened is that she should have gotten treatment after she fell into the water, but she didn't, didn't. And then things just got worse and now she's permanently blind and she refuses to accept that for quite a while. Right. Movie, she's like, this, like is no, this is temporary. And, I'm, well, that that accident, well, that was their first um, dive when they had, they, they had this six, six month contract. Yeah, first dive in Atlantic City. In Atlantic City and that was the first dive. And she, well, before that, her horse lightning got sick he had colic i think yeah yeah and, and some um hay. and he which again is like another thing that just kind of happens like, like yeah you know he's sick and then al comes back that's when al like returns um and she's like he's he finds he's her and, and sleeping with the horse it's like oh he'll be okay if he gets up and like yeah he's fine like you know well, no, he's, he's, like, he's standing up and walking he's like yep he's fine and then end of scene no he's like i know how to take care of this all you have to do is get him up on his feet and then i'll do the rest so i don't know what the hell you yeah, do but for we don't a colic rest is horse and, yeah so they're traveling with this sick horse i mean he's trying he's getting better and she's like i can't use lightning because he's still yeah he's kind of sick he's still recovering we have to use red lips and red lips is kind of like marie's horse which marie quit so they had these two horses and you know sonora uses red lips and you know that stupid band is playing which is really weird because they make a very big deal when you know doing the the announcement like hold your applause for the safety of the horse but yet the band is still allowed to play that's, uh, but I was like, well then, when they do the dive again, they still play, the yeah. band is playing. I'm like, 
didn't you learn your lesson? Like, if I were Al, I would be like, hey... Move this band to a different part of the boardwalk. Or just, I don't know, play... You can play a song, like, while they're, like, riling up the crowd. But then everyone should be quiet, mm-hmm. including the band. Yeah. Once this dive is going to happen. And then I think once, you know, the horse does its dive and they come back up, then you can play the band again. But it's like this stupid band is playing while this is not happening. I don't know why. Yeah. But that... And the shot of the guy crashing the cymbal is almost like he's purposely being shitty. You know, yeah, like, like being... he has this facial expression of like, oh, I'm not supposed to do this. And then, so like, let me playing it. these cymbals really loud and scare the shit out of this horse and then cause this accident. Yeah. And then the guy, I forgot the guy who was like the owner of this show. Mr. Slater. Okay. He's... I mean, they have to shut down for a week because, you know, she became blind. Yeah, and there's, like, this whole business thing, and so Marie <laughs> has to come back and basically be the, the sort of the center of attention again for a bit. <clears throat> so, yeah, there's this whole back and forth between Al and Slater about, you know, we we have this contract, blah de blah we, we have a show and this and that, so you have to find someone else. And he gives them a week. And that's when they become so desperate, they call Marie back. Yeah. So Marie had left because she wants to be more than what she is. She wants to be like a movie star. She has not really, I don't want to say illusions of grandeur, but she has a great self-importance. Yeah. And she feels better than other people. Um, And so she comes back to help Al, probably hoping to get into his good graces more than anything. But they don't really explore that relationship. She's just there looking for attention. Yeah. And meanwhile, Sonora's just trying to get back to doing what she wants to do. You know, she's in Atlantic City. She wants to accomplish her goals. And so she's going to train and try to actually learn how to ride these horses even without sight eventually. Yeah, she does this on her own late at night now and then this whole scene of her touching the horse like getting to know its body i guess while blind just like touching his every movement his uh like muscles or whatever and then it's like during this whole rainstorm like it's just so dramatic yeah and then it's like her um getting on she eventually um gets on the horse and it's like this lightning crashes and everything and then they show her like riding this horse blind but yeah so she eventually like sort of fakes her way into they lock marie in her trailer and she arranges it with cliff and, and they let lightning loose out on the boardwalk, and Sonora is climbing up the, the thing, and Al's announcing it, expecting it to be Marie, but lo and behold, here's lightning running up, and Sonora grabs it blind and jumps for the first time, and it's all a big surprise, but it works out flawlessly. Yeah, and, and then basically kind the of end. like the end of the movie. And, and then, then like, yeah, oh there's yeah, like I this... did this for 11 more years! Yeah, and it's like, me and Al got married in the fall, Yeah, and I continue to do this for another 11 more years the end this other thing we didn't talk about was like when before that first dive when al proposes to her yeah i thought that was very 
cringy too. Yeah, it, just, it went on like, a little bit long too. Awkward. Because she's up there getting ready, and then he's like, Sonora? Like, he sounds so unsure of himself. Uh-huh. He's like, Sonora, can you marry me? Or something. Like, the way he <laughs> asks. <laughs> yeah. It's like... It's, yeah, it's all done in front of the microphone. You... <laughs> and yeah, it's just so weird. It, it, was an, it was an unusual scene. And, and then again, she's got to like... climb all the way back down, and she's like, what are you doing? Yeah. And he's like, I love yeah, you. I Do you. Will you marry me? Sure. She's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then she climbs all the way back up just to jump. Here's, here's what I'll say, though. I think there's there's two characters that I liked the most in this. One is Cliff. Yeah. Uh, again, like, slightly awkward dude. Uh, really charming across the board. I think he was more charming than Al overall um he also talks about how he has this goal of doing something death defying yeah he's like uh he he like makes inventions i guess because he comes up with that hot dog cart wheel thing i don't know yeah and then you see him purchasing like an old bike like an old dirt bike and then like throughout the movie you see him like tinkering around with it like um building like this whole new structure Mm -hmm. and then he does like one of those cage thing those circular cage things yeah near the end he has a motorcycle cage yeah which is like one of the first maybe motorcycle cage things that they do at shows now so you get to see him go around that. And I thought that was going to be sort of the pivot of the movie, obviously not knowing how the yeah, real like, story Yeah, like, are they going to travel <laughs> with him with that thing and do, yeah. like, motorcycle cha- cage thing and then horse diving? Or I thought, okay, well, the horse diving's out because Sonora is blind, so maybe they transition his... and just do the motorcycle cage instead. Yeah. And that's what they'll do as their show. That's what I thought might happen. But again, I didn't know what the actual story of Sonora was, so... Um, it didn't work out that way and just you know we he got his little moment but barely anything else but I really liked his character and then my favorite character is just Sonora mm-hmm. I, I think that Gabriel Anwar played this part perfectly yeah. she's childish but not too childish you know she has you know the this the confidence she has like a little bit of manipulative tactics she's strong-willed she's charming she still has that playfulness but she's you know like it's like this perfect mix of everything that you would expect of this i don't know she's she's not naive she's not taken advantage of she's just you know a good strong character yeah and then you have like al who's just sort of there to be the love interest. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Which is a well, weird love interest. I mean, he's the interest. son of the creator of this yeah. show. Yeah, and Dr. Carver, I think, is also a pretty good character. He's just, you know, not in it a whole lot, obviously. Um, but, yeah, he, he provides that nice father figure. Well, we can talk quickly about the cast and crew. So we have the, the director, Steve Miner, who is a two-time Emmy-nominated uh, director and producer for the Wonder Years. He got his start directing Friday the 13th Part 2. He also did Part 3. He did House and Warlock, so he did a lot of horror movies. Most recently in the horror realm, I think, he did uh, Halloween H2O. 
Uh, he's also done stuff like Soul Man and My Father the Hero, the American remake, uh, and also like Forever Young. Matt Williams, one of the writers, he has had a very prolific career, six-time Emmy nominee for shows like The Cosby Show, Roseanne, Home Improvement. He's also writing on The, the Connors, um, and he has a Spirit nomination for producing Bernie, that independent movie with Jack Black. Oli Sassone, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I'm sorry if I'm not. Uh, he was one of the writers on this, but he's mostly a director as well. He's done a lot of music videos for people like Mr. Mr., Wang Chung, Gloria Stefan. Uh, he has also directed the movie in 1991, Final Embrace, which is our on our list. It's basically like a softcore, okay. you know, <laughs> softcore thriller type of a thing. Uh, he directed the 1994 Fantastic Four movie, Mm. Uh, that early Marvel attempt, and he's done stuff like uh, episodes of Hercules, Xena, Warrior Princess, Sil Silk Stockings, and Martial Law. Gabriel Anwar is a Fangoria nominee for Body Snatchers. She was in the 1991 movie If Looks Could Kill, so we'll see her again in that, and she was also in the Tom Petty music video Into the Great Wide Open this year. Aside from that, she's been in things like Scent of a Woman, Three Musketeers, Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead, uh, Burn Notice, and Once Upon a Time. Yeah, she was like another early 90s it girl. Yeah. Like, like Penelope Ann Miller. Yeah, definitely. She was... Like, she was just... She didn't... I like, think especially after, like, Scent of a Woman, she really became... Yeah, like the three, three Musketeers and stuff. I mean, it could be that she decided to sort of scale back her own acting career on purpose. It could be that parts weren't offered to her within the age range that she was trying to play. Like, there's right. all kinds of weird things that could be happening. But she eventually, you know, she is still acting. Um, I think Once Upon a Time is one of her more recent TV recurring roles. And then she was in a bunch of episodes of Burn Notice. So she's still going after parts. Unlike Michael Shoffling, who we talked about yeah. already. Uh, Cliff Robertson played Dr. Carver. He is an Oscar winner for Charlie, playing Charlie. An Emmy winner for an uh, episode of Bob Hope Presents and a nominee for United States Steel Hour. Things I don't really know what those are. He's been in movies like Picnic, Masquerade. He played JFK in the movie PT-109. Uh, he played the character Shame on a few episodes of the old 1960s Batman series. Uh, he's been on a bunch of Falcon Crest episodes and probably best known to contemporary audiences as Uncle Ben Parker in the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans. Mm. And then Dylan Cussman played Clifford Henderson. He is a Razzie nominee for the worst screenplay for The Mummy 2017 version, which is weird to see. <laughs> he, he is responsible for the 2017 Mummy movie. So... Uh, he's also going to be in 1991's movie Journey of Honor. He's been in things like Dead Poets Society and also X2 X-Men United. Kathleen York, who played Marie, is an Oscar-nominated songwriter for the original song In the Deep, which was featured in the movie Crash back in the early 2000s. The 2004 one. Yeah, the 2004 movie Crash. The one that unfortunately won that year. Well, or 2005 or I have not seen the movie. Me neither. I just... Perhaps the song just, is good, though. I don't, I don't even care. <laughs> that movie just... I was not interested in watching it. And then when it won, I was 
double not interested in watching it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that that's that's her biggest uh, accomplishment in terms of awards. Uh, but she does still act as well. She had a recurring role in West Wing, and uh, she's been in some other stuff as well. But also has that side music thing going on for herself. And that's about it. I mean, we didn't really talk about Arnett, the sister, but she was played by Nancy Moore Atchison, who we'd seen before as young Iggy in Fried Green Tomatoes, and we'll see again in Prince of Tides. Hmm. No awards to speak of for this one, which is not too surprising. But it did okay in the box office. It's, you know, about almost made the top 100 in terms of performance. On to true crime pop culture we go. There's no true crime, but I'm just going to talk about more of Sonora's history and then the history of diving horses, I guess. Mm-hmm. So... One thing, I don't know if you saw this, that when Sonora saw this movie, she was disappointed in it, that the movie, did, how the way the movie depicted her life and career, and she remarked that after the, like, after the film screening, that the only thing true was that I rode diving horses, I went blind, and I continued to ride for another 11 years. And it, I mean, another thing that's true is she did marry Al. Yeah. So I guess, I guess uh, everything else it portrayed in this entire movie was not true, according sure. to her. But, uh, okay, so I was looking up the history. I was like, when did this begin? The diving horses? And it started... Um, so Doc Carver did invent this diving horse attraction himself. I mean, so William Frank Carver, he's known as Doc because he was going to school to be a dentist. And this guy has, like, he's lived a life. I don't know. He's got a, he's done, like, everything. But uh, he, when you, it's funny when you mentioned, like, his clothes because before he did his diving horse shows he was doing a wild wild west show with buffalo bill cody Mm, okay this is in real life this guy yeah so yeah he's he was doing he's doing um so he was this was in the 1880s at this point he was doing these wild west shows with him for about 10-ish years and they kind of just like broke up i mean there's an entire history about just that but he thought of diving horses because he got the idea after plunging on horseback on horseback off of a bank into a deep hole while he was in Oklahoma okay that's how hopefully accidentally yeah I think I don't know unless he was like running away from someone by horse and he's like, okay, I'm going to jump off this cliff into this water. Yeah. That's probably what happened. And he's like, wait, I'm going to turn this into a whole attraction. So <laughs> this started in August of 1894 is when he thought about this. So over the years, his diving horse exhibition became his primary 
primary endeavor and included touring company with his son Al, which is true. So his son did help him train and take care of the horses with his daughter, which they never showed that. Right. So his daughter, so I guess Marie never existed. Okay. So his daughter, Doc's daughter, his, her name is Lorena. She was the original diving girl. And by the time that Sonora entered, Sonora joined the show in 1924. So, so about 10, early, 10 years earlier than what the movie yeah, says. Yeah, like eight, yeah. eight-ish years ago, before or whatever. Because in 1931 is when she actually lost her eyesight, which is when this movie begins. Basically. The yeah. year or whatever. So... Carver had two diving teams, so I guess, like, his daughter did one, and then Sonora did another. Like, they were performing in random cities. Mm. And um, they did do this deal with the Atlantic City Steel Pier that was in 1928. And after, short time after he signed that contract, that's when... You know, he died. He didn't die on a tree or whatever. Sure. But they did... One of the horse's names was Red Lips. Okay. And um, after... He died... Al took over, obviously. And then that's... In 1931, Sonora... She That's when she lost her eyesight. And it's exactly like how... I mean... Because it said while she was riding the horse, Red Lips, and it dove off the, off the tank, like, it off balance. I mean, it probably wasn't because of a band. It's just, like, the horse went off balance. Right. And then she hit the water face first, causing her to become blind. And after that, her, her younger sister started diving with her. Okay. Arnett. So her and her sister were doing these shows... After Doc's death with Al. And they did that until 1942. And then, you that know, the would have been whole... interesting to see in the movie. Yeah. That... It probably would not have to been... Her si- for her sister? The same maybe? actress doing the diving yeah. part. They probably would have had to age them both up a little bit or something. But, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so... And then, like I said before, the animal rights groups came in the 70s to stop all this and there are like i don't know how to do this can you put video on the website like oh yeah you can Mm -hmm. there are youtube videos of like there's i saw two youtube videos one in like the 30s of a horse doing a dive and then one in the 60s of a horse doing a dive okay so we can show that yeah we'll have that on the website And then uh, moving on to TV, May 24th, 1991 was a Friday, and it was, you know, a normal TGIF Friday, but I do have a new show that I don't think we've talked about Hmm. yet. So this is on Fox. There was uh, World's Greatest Stunts, which I feel like we've spoken about before. Maybe? 
It's, I tried to find an episode on YouTube and I couldn't, but it's just, you know, kind of like America's Funniest Home Video, but with stunts. Yeah. <laughs> Probably like a compilation of things that have happened. Yeah. And the, there's a show after this called DEA, which I don't think we've spoken about because I looked this up and I was like... If we did, it's so forgettable that we uh, already... Yeah, no, well, because everything is now starting to sound the same. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, it's like half the, lawyer shows, half doctor shows. It's like, either shows about families, doctor shows, or lawyer shows. Yeah, and or home, D- home video shows. Yeah, yeah. So, DEA was, I guess it was based on true stories of the Drug Enforcement and Administration... And it was a drama series. The pro- it was on- it only lasted one season, thirteen episodes. And May twenty fourth, nineteen ninety one, was the last episode. Aww. The only person that I know that was in this cast that I recognize is um, well, he played the lead. The actor Christopher Stanley, and I know him as um, Henry Francis in Mad Men, so Betty's second husband. Okay. That's him in this show. He hmm. played he played the lead. Okay. And then moving on to music, I'm going to do the bottom five for... May 25th, 1991. And then, um, a few of the, well, a few of these songs I've never heard of until right before we started. So (laughs) that tends to be the way with the bottom five. Yeah. Which I like doing these because I'm like, I like doing the bottom five more than, well, the top five, it's like the same 15 songs. Yeah, you get a nice variety and get to actually like learn some new stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so at number 100 is All the Man That I Need by Whitney Houston. That was 23 weeks on the charts, and it was number one at some point, because I remember that being number one before. Hmm. And number 99 is a song called Backyard by Pebbles. Do you remember... Do you know... The singer Pebbles. It sounds vaguely familiar. The female yeah. singer. Yeah, like, yeah. I remember her. But I don't remember then, the other song. Because this song, the, that title doesn't sound familiar. No, this song I've never heard of. And the lyrics were cracking me up. It was Pebbles featuring Salt and Peppa. But one of the lines is, You see somebody standing in your own backyard. Somebody's trying to steal your man. <laughs> <laughs> Like someone's gonna abduct your man from the backyard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just <laughs> So that was Pebbles, I guess. And uh ninety number ninety eight is another Like My Lover by Jasmine Guy. So she was She was a singer. Trying to Yeah, I honestly didn't know she was also a singer. Oh really? I don't think I did. Oh, but she's this was, like she was on a different world at the same time, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she's like a 
multi-hyphenate. Yeah, she's like a dancer, singer. She was like on Broadway and stuff. Okay, okay. Uh, that This song was 10 weeks on the chart, and it peaked at number 66. The Backyard song was 7 weeks on the chart, and it only peaked at 73. Hmm. The next song, number 97, is this song called Heartbreak Station by Cinderella, and it's just power ballad another power like when i was listening to this i'm like i i don't like hair metal <laughs> but then my mind was changed with the next song okay so then i was like right here yeah metal. you have to have the good i don't like well i don't want to say i don't like power ballads because they're a bag over cinderella's hair metal yeah, I was like, I'm not into this song. And then I was like, this is like the year where hair metal was starting to die. Yeah. I think by 1993. Yeah, it started to get a little more techno-oriented. Yeah, it was getting turned into dance music. But um, that was 11 weeks on the chart, and it peaked at 44. The next song, number 96 was the song Uncle Tom's Cabin by Warrant. And when it was, it started off slow, but then all of a sudden it started to pick up and get like hardcore. And I was like, this is good. <laughs> and then the, <laughs> and then like the lyric, like the lyrics in the video is like so interesting. It's like a story. And it's just like about, Two guys witnessing other guys, like, killing people and, like, burying their bodies and throwing them in a well. And then it's, like, this whole thing. But that video was nominated for an MTV Video Music Award for Best Rock Video. Mm. But it didn't win because the winner for that year was Enter Sandman by Metallica, which okay. that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> tough competition. Yeah. So that was only six weeks on the chart, and it peaked at number 78. All right. Well, on to rankings and ratings we go then. Uh, where on your one to five star scale would you put Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken? Oh, I mean, I'm going to give this a three. It's like the same... It was like the same vibe as Wildflower. Yeah. Which is weird. But yes, I agree with you. It is sort of the same type of vibe. It's it's like this quasi-kids movie that has some weird it stuff. It has like a on. message. It's like she, she persevered and overcame, you know, her blindness and... She she became this brave young woman to dive horses. Yeah, I liked and Sonora's... became famous for that. I liked Sonora's journey, and I liked it probably because of the acting of Gabrielle Anwar and how she portrayed this complexities uh, of it. Uh, on my 0 to 4 star scale, I'm still probably going to give it like a 2.5, so like slightly above average, but not there... I don't know. A lot of the movie just kind of happened, like I said, and and a lot of the um, ancillary characters. I, I still have a hard time like getting into like these older period piece type of movies, mm. and having like, it's not meant for me. It's not meant for a forty year old dude. This is you know 
<laughs> so, okay. I'm not the core audience of this, so it's okay that it doesn't fully resonate with me. But I did like watching Sonora's journey. Um, I wish we would have gotten a little bit more Cliff in there. Like, I don't need them to be love interests. I just wanted him to be more present, more so than Al. Mm -hmm. uh, or even more than Marie. We kind of didn't really need a lot of Marie's story. It kind of took away from things. Uh, but overall, decent. Just not my favorite. Every movie's worth watching once. Would you watch this again? I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's not terrible. I mean, if we're talking about between like this and Wildflower, I'd probably pick Wildflower. I would watch both. Yeah. I would, they're on relatively I... even Yeah, they're, I want, I'll watch both, but it's like... I think, like I said before, this is a type of movie that, like, if you're switching channels and it's on, you're like, okay, I'll just watch the rest of this movie. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing, like, aside from, like, the Al and, and Sonora romance part, there's nothing that's too, like, problematic or anything like that in there either, so, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, it's just, you know... Yeah, the good... It's not super lighthearted, The one thing that I liked is fun. they didn't make fun of her being blind no not at all everyone was like very i mean al was really much just like you know you you like she trying to get her to get to the terms that yes you're gonna be blind for forever and i'm here for you i'm gonna take care of you basically everyone is a support system for her except yeah. for her own aunt in the beginning and the children who make make fun of her yeah it's like the impetus for her leaving, but once she's out of that realm, she's, you know, she's amongst family, both, you know, real and, uh, you know, manufactured. Mm -hmm. um, so if you out there want to watch Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken, as of this recording in May 2022, it's available on Disney Plus, digital, digital rental, VHS, DVD, as always check your local listings. You can find us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can email us at 1991movierewind at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd, YouTube. Just search 1991movierewind or go to 1991movierewind.com for the full list of movies along with show notes and more. Next week, after you go see Top Gun Maverick in theaters, you can listen to us talk about Hot Shots. That's going to be available on digital rental, VHS, and DVD. We'll see you then.